Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. This episode is sponsored by Polymorph Crafts. Visit polymorphcrafts.com to learn about their high-quality, compact, and affordable tabletop accessories. Distinguished adventurers last time on Dungeon Drunks, our heroes returned to the Pixie Village to show that they were successful in defeating the hags. While everyone is delighted, there is a small problem. The beholder that was sleeping in the middle of the town has woken up, apparently right around the time the hags were killed. Instead of engaging with it, this time everyone hid, and the beholder wandered off into the forest. Exhausted, everyone decided to just take a long rest. The next morning, with a final goodbye to the pixies, the group follows the next set of directions to find Ekthiarn, discussing along the way what they would like to do when they get home, and also what could be meant by the instructions to open your heart to forgiveness and ask a favor. Reaching the edge of the forest and the grasslands, the group bed down to sleep as instructed. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your Dungeon Master Lauren, also known as Obocrazy, and I'm actually alone at the moment. See, today's episode is a slightly different episode than normal. Because of what is about to happen, I actually had four separate one-on-one -on -one sessions with each of the Heralds of Greenest. That's right, what you're about to hear is what happens next to Bernie, Carlton, Jonathan, and Travancore as they bed down to go to sleep. Instead of skipping back and forth between all four of the players or making three of them wait while I had a one-on-one -on -one with just one of them, we got together separately over the course of a week and got to do a little bit of role-playing. So sadly, what you're missing out on is that interaction the whole group usually has. and Obviously, we don't talk about our drinks one-on-one, -on -one, but in a situation like what is going on now, I thought it was best to do something a little different and have a little bit of a unique experience, which I hope you'll understand once you hear what's about to happen next. Carlton. Yes, that's me. You fall asleep in this area of the Feywild that you guys have been told to take a, take a long rest in. And for a while, it's a dreamless sleep. And then you wake up. But you know that this is still a dream. You're not exactly sure how or why, but as your eyes pop open and you see Blue, your little puppy, also awake now and kind of looking at you as you're lying in the same place that you fell asleep in, you can see your friends around you all still asleep. You see the fading light of the sun that will never quite set off in the distance. But you're pretty positive you're still having a dream. And then you hear a voice nearby that says, Welcome. Hello. Hello. It is good to meet you. You're here to see me, aren't you? Oh, are you seeking uh, Grandpa? By a great many generations. Yeah, he seemed confused on the exact number. He is a kind boy and a gentle soul. But there are things that are not his forte. He's good at turning into ducks, though. I'll give him that. He is. 
He is very good with animals. And people when they are kind to him. Yeah, he's been a good friend of ours for the past day. I don't know what time it is here in the Feywild, and it's weird. <laughs> you hear this voice chuckle, because um, you're still like lying down on this little grass mat that you made. Mm-hmm. So you, you still can't quite see. Like You can tell where this voice is coming from, but it's just off the edge of your vision in the grass somewhere. Okay. You hear this voice chuckle and say, So he is your friend. Uh, I would say at this point we're friendly. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give him an invitation to the wedding just yet. But you know, I would look out for him and protect him. That is good to know. And at this point, I'll stand up and like kind of look around because I feel weird just talking to the sky. <laughs> As you stand up, you because you can hear the direction that this voice is coming in, you know which way to turn. And standing a few feet off in this this very tall grass is a very large horse. Hmm. Except it's not a horse. White horse with a spiral horn across its coming out of its brow and on its back the gray dappling turn into two large wings. Huh. And a unipegasus. Now that, <laughs> and now that you've stood up and made eye contact with this uh, unicorn, the blue eyes look at yours. And even though the mouth doesn't move, you hear the same voice very clearly coming from this being that says, Ah, I'm glad that you have decided to stand up. Yeah, at first I thought you were like doing this whole disembodied god thing that sometimes they do. And then I was like, wait, why am I still laying down? It's, I should stand up. I, I have some, and I do like the, the pinching the fingers, some little bit of manners. <laughs> you could have remained lying down if it was more comfortable, but eh. it is good to look it, into the face. It's good to stretch face. these legs. I'm sure you know sometimes. <laughs> I am Ekthiarn, Lord of Horses. It is nice to meet my son's friends by a great margin. Your son? I thought he was your grandson. By a great margin. Oh, son, by a great margin, not friend by a great margin. Got it. I'm not so good with words sometimes. But, like, your your son by a great margin has his specialty. I have mine. And words is not one of them sometimes. And what is your name? Sir, my name is Carlton Tanks. It is nice to meet you. I'm here... It is a pleasure. ...to ask you a question. Yes. Why are you here? Well, Seekin did us a favor, and we, in turn, were said, hey, we would do you his favor, and we would escort him to meet you. So that is why we originally came, and once we arrived here, uh, we decided to, in addition to bringing him to you, help protect this area. I wouldn't say the whole plane, because planes are very vast, but there were some pixies who were having problems with some night hags. Which are no fun. Uh, they are very bad people. They tried to kill my puppy. I'm not a fan of that. And then uh, there was a beholder that's floating around. And I have a feeling we're going to have to take care of that too. Because I feel like that they don't belong. It is nice that you have helped the pixies in their home. Yes, they call their home home. Sometimes the simplest names are the best. But that's not why you're here. That seemed to be something you have done because you felt it was necessary. You said hmm. you were here because you owed Seekin a favor. 
That is why I meant this location, yes. Well, this location was particularly, if we want to narrow it down to the nitpickiest part, was because we were told by a man, uh, a Goliath, whose name I'm blanking on. Uh, anyways, we helped him get into the Fey Dark, and he said, come here and then open your heart to forgiveness and ask a favor. That's why I'm exactly here. But why I came to here was because your great, your son by a great margin did us a solid favor. So we in turn are doing him a solid favor and bringing him to you and protecting him along the way. So you owe him. And that is why you do this for him. You could say that, yes. Hmm, interesting. He didn't specifically say, I'll do this if you do that. But he then said, hey, can you do this for me? And we felt grateful. Interesting. But he, as you said, is your friend. Like I said, we're getting there. Not to the point where I would invite him to a wedding yet, because he got only got limited seats. You know, only friends and family, real close friends and family. But I would go out of my way to protect him. That level of friendship. Maybe have a game night, invite him over for a couple drinks. This is a wide variety of friendship that you offer. There's you a protect him. Friendship is a spectrum. And are you getting married? No, not yet. Not that I would know. Hmm. Maybe down the line I'll find the right one and find a ring. You keep mentioning a wedding that you will not invite him to just yet, and I was curious. Yeah, who knows what the future holds. Maybe I'll find a woman who will calm my fury, make me feel things that something other than rage. And then at that point, maybe we will be friends enough to invite him to the wedding. But at this particular moment, if I were... Also, I'm kind of afraid of duck poop lying around the uh, the altar. I don't think the bride would like that very much. Or perhaps you will find a mate who will match you in your fury. That too. The figure of Ekthiarn regards you for a moment, looks down at Blue, who has been kind of obediently standing by your side. Lull, puppy, face. <laughs> you know, seems to be happy. Yes. Uh, Ekthiarn nods at Blue. Blue nods back at him. And he kind of goes... <laughs> And after a moment, he looks back at you, Carlton, and says, You are concerned about this one. Yes, the, this. So, weird things have happened in our times. I, from the beginning, young age, I was raised by a pack of wolves after my own family was slaughtered. And I was raised alongside Blue here. However, when I first was raised with him, he was this size. And we grew up together, and he was once a full-size direwolf. He came back to me somehow. He, with the other companions of, animal companions of my friends and my party, but he was a puppy again. And so, but I knew, you can tell, who was family. Even if you are a great margin away. I knew this was my brother. And so, he's back to his puppy state, and we get into predicaments, and I worry that I won't always be able to interpose myself between him and harm. He worries about you, too, that you interpose yourself between him and harm. Well, that's what big brothers do. Hmm. You look out for your family. You take care of the loved ones. I, you know, I, I traveled with a pack for many years. They were taken from me. Uh, I went wayward for a while, and when I met up with my current pack, and I, like, point to the mats of grass that are like fluffed down i was like i found a new pack you know and so now i protect this pack and fortunately blue came back to me and now he is part of this pack 
and I will lay my life on the line for any of them. Ekviarn regards your words and nods a little bit and then says, My grandson, by a great margin, yes, is lucky to have you. Thank you. You're welcome. Please enjoy the rest of your rest. And the unicorn turns, and after giving both you and Blue one final nod, starts to walk back into the golden grass, and you suddenly feel like you could lay back down again and go back to sleep, even though this this is a dream. You know this is a dream, but you know, could lay back down and go back to sleep now. Huh. I kind of like watch for a moment, see where Ekthiarn goes, just like you don't often get to come like. Well, actually, I do come face to face with the god more than once. <laughs> it's kind of seemed to be our uh, thing here. And I was like, Ekthiarn. The unicorn stops. He'd been just basically walking steadily off into this waist-high golden grass, but he stops and looks back. Can I ask you a quick favor before I go to bed? I will listen. That's all I can at least ask for. Our My friend Bernie, the small one with the bumblebees, she once asked her god whether or not one of my family members was still alive, and her god replied that there was one. I yearn to be reunited with my blood, blood, so that I can make sure that they are safe and protect them as well, since I could not all those years ago. If at any all possible, at some point in the future, if you are able to, can you see that our paths cross? The unicorn looks back down at Blue, back up at you, and says... I don't think you need my help for that. I think you already found them. And turns around and continues to walk into the grass. Okay. And I'm like, I looked down at Blue, I'm like, you? Very confused. <laughs> and your brother sits there wagging his tail at you. Alright, let's do this, buddy. And then let's go to bed. Alright, you lay back down on the, the soft grass mat that you've made, and within moments, you are comfortably back asleep. A, a dreamless sleep, and we'll stop there. Bernice Q. Burns. Present. The last time we got together, you had just bedded down for the evening with instructions from a guy that you met in a town about how you're supposed to go about meeting a god. And you'd fallen asleep next to the bulk of Shadow the Bear, a being who, until very recently, you hadn't really wanted to be around very much. Correct. As you fall asleep, there's a while in where it's, it's a pretty dreamless sleep. And then you start to dream. And it's a lucid dream. You are very well aware you are dreaming at this moment. You don't know why. You don't know how. But you know with certainty, this is a dream. And you open your eyes and you're in the same place. You're still lying on the bed of grass that you had made in this field of golden grass. There's still the sunset in the distance that doesn't want to set. And you hear a voice just outside of your field of vision, somewhere in the grass nearby, that says, Welcome. You wanted to speak to me. Are you Seekin's granddad? You still don't see anyone because you haven't stood up yet, but you hear a slight chuckle. The voice says, by many, many greats, I am. Okay, 
she's gonna stand up and she's gonna like dust do the thing where you're like kind of doing the like dusting herself off she's gonna say oh i imagine that we currently don't have a lot of time together so we are going to address the story of seekin at a later date but sir and you look over and i'm gonna interrupt you because what you see First off, you see Kokosnoot trot up to you from where he was lying next to, where your friends are still lying down sleeping. Kokosnoot trots on over and obediently sits at your side. Okay. You dust yourself off and start to talk and stand up and look towards the voice. And the sir that you have been addressing is a very large white horse with a horn on the top of his head and... Along the gray fringe around the mane and the sides, two wings tucked into the side of his body. And Ekthiarn looks at you as you kind of stop and realize that you're speaking to a unicorn and says, Welcome. Thank you? You had a question about my grandson. Many. This answers a couple of them. Brings up more. I would imagine. You seem to be an intelligent young woman. You can probably guess some of it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Huh. Unicorn, huh? Not a binicorn, just a unicorn? I am Ekthiarn, the Lord of Horses. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Answers a lot of them, actually. Not while he chases ducks, but a lot. Yeah, yeah. I'm Bernice. You can call me Bernie. This is Coco Snoot. Sometimes Coco Snoot actually does talk. I imagine he could talk to you if he wanted to. Just go. Is Coco Snoot talking in this dream? At the moment, when you point over to Coco Snoot, Coco Snoot just looks at Ekthiarn, who is. For the both of you, several hands higher than, than you. He is not just a, a large animal. He is an impressive being, both physically and metaphysically. And Kokosnu kind of lulls his tongue out at Ekthiarn and, and nods at him. And Ekthiarn looks very graciously at this dog and nods back and says, He is welcome to speak, but he serves you. And my, my questions are for you. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you could you could pet him if you wanted to. If that if you weren't gonna accidentally stomp him, that would be fine. He's cool with that. <laughs> He's generally well behaved. I should I should be answering your questions before we. I I don't want to say this isn't my first rodeo, but it's not my first rodeo, and I know we're gonna run out of time pretty soon, aren't we? This can take as long as it needs to. This is the Feywild, after all. Time works differently than where you are from. Doesn't it just? Why are you here? Ah, <sighs> so your grandson grew me a lemon tree. And he didn't really ask for anything in return except a favor. And I told him I'd do that favor. He did grow me a lemon tree. That's, I mean, that's pretty big, right? A lemon tree in Waterdeep. He is a kind boy. Do you have lemons? Actually, no. Please do not answer that question. Because if the answer is no, 
I might actually lay down and die. He's a, he asked for a favor, and, you know, I didn't ask any questions. And there's a part of me that thinks I should have, but there's a part of me that thinks even if I did, I'd be here anyway, because I told him I'd help him. He's a, he's, you know, he doesn't do this kind of thing for a living. He grows plants for people, and sometimes he's a duck or a swan or a goose, and he talked to our dogs once to help us figure out something really weird. Really weird. So yeah, I mean, he asked. He just asked. And I said yes. And even when you found out what you were being asked to do, you still came. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I did, huh? Well, I don't know. Well, here's the thing. In the moment, we thought we were... (laughs) You're going to laugh. We thought you lived a few miles outside of Waterdeep. Have you ever been a few miles outside of Waterdeep? They'd be very concerned if you showed up uh, in your current form. Could be, you could show up as a horse. I'm sure they'd be fine. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's just that he asked. Do you always do things for people who ask? No. But sometimes you just do, you know? It's not that you're gonna really get anything. Though, man, if you had a diamond, that would probably really, really help shit out. But you sort of do things... It's it's reciprocity, right? You don't really keep a tally. It's like you go to dinner with your friends, and one of them buys dinner, and you think, oh, I'll get you back next time. And you just sort of exist that way. You never keep a real tally. You never actually pay them back. You just get dinner the next time. You never, you know, maybe you're the one buying tea. Maybe you're the one, you know, getting the tickets to the theater. We see a lot of plays, which you would think we wouldn't given our schedule. But, you know, there's downtime that we don't talk about on this podcast. That's just how you live, I guess, with your friends. You can't keep it. You can't spend your life keeping a tally of what people owe you. That's not friendship. That's a business transaction. So he is your friend. You know, he's a big weirdo. But yeah, it's part of the reason we like him, I think. That's not really nice to say. Your grandson is a big weirdo, but it's actually a plus, as it turns out. It is the providence of friends to be honest with each other. Yeah. No one is perfect. And my son, by many generations, is many wonderful things. But he is a bit weird. It's a good weird. If you could turn into a variety of animals, you'd probably be a little weird, too. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, there's this really good theory. You've probably heard it. Or maybe it hasn't. I don't know what kind of philosophers you have in the Feywild. But there's these guys, and they got together, and they started looking at language, and they realized that the language you speak not only affects your cultural viewpoint, but the language you learn as a kid actually changes the physical structure of your brain. Now, I imagine if you can grow up not just, if you can grow up not only speaking an animal language, but changing into one, I imagine it does some really weird things to your brain. But you are his friend. Yes. It is nice of you to do this for your friend. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess it is. 
but he also grew me a lemon tree. Did he pay you to do this? Is the lemon tree his payment for this favor? Well, the lemon tree's pretty big for me. So are you here because you are paid in a lemon tree? Or are you here because he is your friend? Am I? Well... Or are you here for diamonds? Or are you here for another reason? Why are you really here? The lemon tree's pretty big, but the lemon tree isn't... It isn't going to the Feywild big. I'll tell you that. I probably could have found someone who would get me one on a boat, and I would have waited. But it's like I said. It's like he's weird, and he's my friend. And it's like when you have a friend and they ask a big favor of you. And you know it's a big favor. And you start thinking of all the things they've done for you. And really, you're going to do them this big favor no matter what. But your brain starts thinking, well, they did do that thing for you. That thing that's actually not maybe as big as what you're doing for them, but it means a lot. So it's not, it's not, the one, it's not one thing. It's never simple. He is our friend. I'd like to you to talk to him about locking his doors, actually. I think he'd get robbed. But he also did the lemon tree thing. And honestly, yeah. I didn't come here looking for diamonds. But somebody told me to ask you a favor, and that is the only thing I can think of that I really need right now. Why do you need diamonds? I need diamonds to bring people back from the dead. Because they are your friends? Yes. I understand. And there's this moment where you're looking at this magnificent horse lord before you. And then you feel a little tired. And Ekthiarn looks down at Kokos Newt and says, You've chosen well. And Kokos Newt just kind of lulls his tongue out at, at Ekthiarn and they, they share a little nod again. He looks back at you and he says, Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your evening. And you feel like it's maybe time to lay back down and go back to sleep. Look, I'm serious about the door locking thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I know I've taken up a lot of your time, but he doesn't lock his doors. And he's a nice kid. And this isn't your fault, but he was not properly socialized. And he lives in Waterdeep. It's not Neverwinter, but it's Waterdeep. And I can't, I'm not always going to be there, man. Like, that's the thing. So just like, I don't know, does he know what a lock is? You could explain it to him. You're his granddad. Just explain that not everybody's nice and not everybody means well. And yeah, just explain that to him, please. And Bernie's going to pat Coco Snoot and kind of give like a, a wave. Good night. <laughs> Good afternoon. Is it night? I, that's another thing we don't have time to cover, but, you know. We've named it the Dan, as long as that's not offensive. And she's going to she's gonna go back to bed. And as you go to sleep, you hear a very gentle chuckle, once again, from this being who's just now out of your eyesight now that you've lain back down on the grass. And even though, once again, you're positive this is a dream, you fall back asleep and everything seems fine. And that's where you and I will stop for the moment. 
We want to thank Polymorph Crafts for sponsoring this episode. Polymorph Crafts offers stylish and affordable ways to carry everything you need game day and stay organized at the table. Their Mimic Chest starts life as a compact wood chest that converts into a dice tower and tray, dice and pen vaults, card stands, a coaster, and plenty of room to carry minis and more. Over 230 tiny magnets in each Mimic Chest make assembly a breeze and come in three affordable price points with lots of customizable options. So check out polymorphcrafts.com and follow them on Twitter and Instagram at polymorphcrafts. That's polymorphcrafts.com. We want to thank Polymorph Crafts for sponsoring this episode. Polymorph Crafts offers stylish and affordable ways to carry everything you need game day and stay organized at the table. Their Mimic Chest starts life as a compact wood chest that converts into a dice tower and a tray, dice and pen vaults, card stands, a coaster, and plenty of room to carry minis and more. Over 230 tiny magnets in each Mimic Chest make assembly a breeze and come in three affordable price points with lots of customizable options. So check out polymorphcrafts.com and follow them on Twitter and Instagram at polymorphcrafts. That's polymorphcrafts.com. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's an official free-to-play Dungeons & Dragons-based clicker game that you can download right now on Steam. The most recent update includes content from the new adventure Dragon Heist, and will be the first time fans can get a glimpse of all of the fun stuff in the book since Wizards of the Coast made the announcement. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for this podcast, and it's always exciting to open chests to see what new gear my champions have. Speaking of chests... Thanks to the fine folks who made Idle Champions, we're fortunate enough to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. Now, this code expires on August 12th, 2018 at 9 p.m. Pacific, so you only have a week to redeem once this episode is posted. Open up your game, go to the shop, and type in this code. I-Z-A-R-Z-Y-M-E-S-I-L-E-R-A-N so use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. Jonathan, you fall asleep. And it's comfortable and it's nice. And for a while you think that you're doing a dreamless sleep. And then suddenly you wake up. But you don't. You know that this is a lucid dream. You are absolutely still dreaming but you don't exactly know why. You open your eyes and look around. You're still in the same campsite that all of you had bedded down for in the evening. You see all of your friends lying on their little grass mats, sleeping sleeping peacefully as far as you can see in this dream. Bucks near your head ruffles his feathers and stands up and kind of trots on over to cock his head at you curiously, uh, seemingly the only other being awake. And then you hear an unfamiliar voice just outside of your field of view, somewhere in the grass, that says, Welcome. Uh, um, hi? Jonathan the Magimuscular here. I'm very tempted to shoot up into the sky and fly, but, and I was about to do that, but hi. If it would be more comfortable for you to fly, I could join you. <gasps> Let's do that. And Jonathan the Magimuscular, like, squats down and then shoots straight up into the air. Okay. How far up do you go? It goes about, like, 30 feet before he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. 
Oh, oh. And I'm assuming Bucks kind of flies up and hovers with him. Yeah, so you go straight up, kind of bound straight up, enjoy the the sight of this gorgeous rolling grass, the slightly still not really setting sun. Bucks flies up to join you, and then a third figure joins you. A humongous horse, white, with a horn on its forehead spiraling to a point, and two massive gray dappled wings that seem to be flying, but you know enough about magic to know it's not the wings that are keeping this being aloft. As it, from the grass where it had been standing just outside your field of view, swoops around and then comes over to hover in front of you, its wings making lazy swoops in the air, not really holding itself aloft by anything more than magic. And this unicorn looks you in the eye and says, Ah, it is a much better view up here. It is. I don't, I don't see stuff like this. Like, I, I could have learned how to fly, but I decided to do other things. Seems like you have learned to fly very well. Ah, uh, I had a, a really good teacher and I motion over to Bucks to say I was a, I was an owl once for about an hour. And Bucks here was very patient with me as I figured out how to fly. And this unicorn looks over at Bucks, gives your owl a little nod, and Bucks gives back another nod and then swoops around your head. And then the creature looks back at you with these brilliant blue eyes and says, I am Ekthiarn, Lord of Horses. Oh! Wow! Okay. Wow. All right. Well... Hello, uh, I am Jonathan the Magimuscular, lord of nothing just yet, but hey, we'll see. Being a lord is a title. It is what you do with it that is important. I am lucky that my vassals are not anything I need to rule over. The horses, the unicorns, the pegasus, they run wild and free. I offer guidance, not lordship. Do you... Oh my god, Reggie. Is Reggie okay? Is Reggie fine? We left Reggie. Oh, man. You left Reggie in the care of Leosian and his fellows, who are honorable people, and he is well cared for. Oh, that's good. You know, I hadn't even thought, I, this is going to sound terrible, I hadn't even thought of Reggie recently because, well, we've been dealing with your grandson. Seekin. Gra grand times many uh, son. My grandson of many generations, yes. He is a wonderful boy, a beloved of mine, a powerful person, but he, like all mortals, has his flaws. Does he ever? But no, I shouldn't. Yeah, that was rude. I'm sorry. He's, he's your blood and he means well. He does. And that is why he is dear to me. His heart is large enough for all the creatures he, he inhabits and knows. But it is not him that I speak of today. It is you, Jonathan. Uh, yeah, yeah. Why are you here? I am here because I agreed to do something in haste, and I 
I jumped feet first without asking any questions. So you were tricked to be here. No, we kind of, if we would have asked, hey, what, what's going to be involved in this trip? Seekin would have told us. Seekin wasn't being dishonest at all. It was, you were talking about us mortals and our flaws. Well, one of our flaws is assumptions. And we made, we made a hell of an assumption. And that's why, that's why we're here now. And now we're, I mean, I've, it started off pretty rough, but I feel like, I feel like now that I've gotten to know Seekin, now that I understand him a little better, it's gone from, hey, this is a job and he's cargo to, I really, I really do want to be, want him to be here. And we've, we've gone through a lot to do to get here, but it's been, I think it'll be worth it if he, if he. If he fulfills his task. If he had told you before you had left the material plane, would you have come? <sighs> yes, but I think, one, I would have not. Let's be honest. That's why I am here. It was, it was fun to be mad at him. I needed to be mad at something. I needed to, be, to blame him. But because I, I feel like there's somewhere else I need to be right now. And honestly, I, I've been taken away from Greenest. Just not, I don't even want to live there permanent. I don't know. Maybe I do. But um, I at least want to go back for a little bit. And it feels like everything that we've done, all for greater goods, has been taking me farther and farther away from there. And then... What was supposed to be a quick trip out of town turned into a trip way out of town. And it, again, like, it's as far as you can get from that place, right? Like a different, different plane of existence. So I probably would have said yes. I probably would have been a little more prepared. It's tough, man. But when you arrived, you stayed. Yes. It was one of those things where the the best way the best way out is through. So that's kind of what I figured. I called you man just I just called you man just a second ago. Is that disrespectful? I'm kind of new to this god to gods and stuff. It's just language, which is imperfect. And you do notice that Ekthiarn there's not like he's not Mr. Edding you. There's not a mouth movement or anything. This this does seem to be like he's oh, looking the at Lord you. Of horses. Exactly. But you get the sense this is some kind of telepathic communication, even though it's it's very clear that this voice is coming from this being. And Ekthiarn says Language is a learned trait. I do not take offense. After all, how many gods have you met? Two, including you, three, three. I've met three. I met the nice deity that gave us our pocket house, an a, a little tiny dimension. It's nutty, it's so weird. And then I think I met my leaky. That was interesting. A little off-putting at first, but it worked out. I find that's how a lot of things go. It's off-putting at first, and then it works out. We are in a better position to have a comfortable meeting. So, I suspect if I was asking you for something, things might be a little more uncomfortable. But in this case, I'm the one asking you. So why did you stay? You could have left. 
you could have arrived in Mithrendian, realized what had happened, and left. I need to help people. It's... As much as I make stuff about me, my loot, my glory, my muscles, my magic, in the end, I have to help people. And that whether that is me killing a monster, me fixing a problem, me using my magic to figure out a figure out a puzzle, figure out a riddle, figure out an answer. I I'm compelled to help people. And right now I'm helping my friends, and they're helping me. Is Seekin your friend? Yes. That's good. He is special. But he is not smart. I worried about it. Oh my god. I'm sorry. Oh, eh, language. But uh, seriously, when we came when we left and we came back, I thought for sure he would have like signed bits of his soul away to those pixies. They're they're tricksy and uh, is that racist to say that a pixie is tricky? Trixie? I don't think so. But yeah. It's it's gone from genuine annoyance to genuine concern for him. His heart is bigger than his capacity to worry. His generous spirit is bigger than his capacity to know what he is getting into. It is good to know that he has friends who will ease his burden. And so you are here for him. I want when when I get when this gets done and I'm in a tavern telling this story, flexing, of course, or I'm in front of a class at the uh, Amethyst Acropolis, or I'm leading a party of wizards, and I'm old, and I'm telling them this story, I'm going to tell them it was all about me, knowing that, yeah, I ultimately I was here for him. Does Seekin know? I've done a really bad job of letting him know so probably not but I don't know that it would matter like I think as long as I'm here and I've stuck it out he will see that I am here and that will be enough for him because I was here and I was really very mean to him and he seemed he seemed still very glad that I was here and that the rest of us were here if you think that is the way it must be I understand. But he is your friend. Thank you. May you have a good rest. And the winged figure of Ekthiarn swoops around you once and lands back into the grass, folds back up his wings, looks back over his shoulder and gives you a look, looks back over at Bucks, nods to Bucks who has now landed on your shoulder as you're kind of hovering in the air. Bucks kind of gives him a little bit of a nod. And Ekthiarn says, watch over your friend. And starts to walk back into the grass. And as he starts to leave, you feel tired, like you could go back to sleep, even though you know this is a dream. You feel like lying down would be good. Before I do that, hey Bucks, over to that tree and then back. Race for a second and then we'll lay down. Bucks seems to accept your challenge. We take off. We like go, and Jonathan <laughs> the Metamuscular fist out front is going. Bucks next to him like wings out and is like has his wings back going, and then that 
freeze frame and then that's like he I don't remember how it how it ends. I don't know who wins. Okay. I'll accept that. You you fall back asleep at some point. You don't remember how the, the race ended. Did you fall back asleep? And that's where we'll end. Thank you. Travancore. As you fall asleep in this field, for a while you have what you think are a dreamless sleep. It's calm, nothing's going on, and then you wake up, but you know this is still a dream. It is very clearly a lucid dream. You are very well aware. You don't know how, you don't know why, but you're positive. You're still dreaming. You're still soundly sleeping. You open your eyes and you're still in the the little circle with all of your friends lying on the the grass. As you kind of look around, you hear a voice just outside of the circle that you can't see because right now you're lying down amongst all of this grass that says, Welcome. Hi. It is nice to meet you. You you have me disadvantage. Uh, your name? I am Ekthiarn. I'm the one that you see. Hi, Ekthiarn. And at this point, Shadow, who, as you look around, you can, you're still lying down and you can see all your friends still lying there fast asleep, at least in this dream of yours, except for Shadow, who stands up and lumbers over to you and kind of gives you a little nuzzle and then turns and seems to look out over the grass at whatever the the source of this voice is. Hmm. We're here to we're here to bring Seekin back to you. That's kind of the long and short of it. That is why I have come to you is I had a question to ask. Go ahead. And then from out of the grass, kind of parting the waves of this golden field, since you've continued to lie down, a horse appears. But it's not a horse. It's a, a huge beast, white, with a single spiral horn coming out of its forehead. And along its sides, you see dappled gray spots and a pair of wings folded up against this creature's back. And it looks down at you and says, There is no need to prostrate. You are welcome here. It's good to know. <laughs> Travancore is a little out of his element, as, as you can imagine. Uh, so is, um, what I'm guessing is a Pegasus unicorn. I don't know if Travancore knows that or not. Um, is that separate from Echyarn? Is that like, is this about being that came by? The creature doesn't move its lips or anything. It is, you're 100% sure this is where the voice is coming from. And it looks you straight in the eye and says, please be comfortable, but you do not need to remain lying down. And then it looks over at Shadow, who's already, he's been kind of standing next to you, but he'd kind of like sat. And he says, Shadow, it is good to meet you. And Shadow kind of turns and cocks his head at this unicorn that's come out of a field and then looks over at you curiously. Travancore gets up. Stands up and, uh, I guess, walks towards Ekthiarn, the unicorn. Yeah, it continues to, to stand there, kind of gazing at you. It's got this eminently serene look on his, on his face, this unicorn. But he's huge. This is the most massive horse you've ever seen. He's easily a couple of hands taller than you are. And there's something about the aura of this creature that it's... It's more than his physical presence. May I pet you? 
you hear the the you hear Ekthiarn chuckle and say, "If you require a touch to verify, I'm amenable." I uh, Travancore strokes the uh, the nose, like front main part of of this this horse like being, and he calms down a little bit because I think something about touch and tactile nature it's it's calming it's soothing it's it's good to be grounded in something and it helps bond beings instantly so yeah travicor thinks being a naturalist as he is thinks to do that thinks you know this might help a little bit and it, it's it feels like a horse the, it is the neck and the the muzzle of many horses that you've touched but there's something almost cotton like soft about the the fur on this creature and there's almost an electric tingle as well like almost like a static charge but not painful in any way and as you withdraw your hand Ekthiarn looks down back at Shadow and says well now you have to pet your companion as he will be very jealous uh, Travancore nuzzles up to Shadow and just gives him a nice little rub on both sides of his face to sort of even it out a bit I was going to ask Ekthiarn if, is this your standard form or is there a many form kind of deal and this is the form you chose to appear to me with? A little bit of both. This is my standard form. I don't know how much Seekin really knows about me being so many generations removed, but I am Ekthiarn, the Lord of Horses, the deity for all gods under the horse who are pegasi, unicorns. That is what I do. Hmm. Seekin's attention is very selective. You may have noticed. He has things that he's worried about and things that he's not. And there's a lot that's in the I'm not worried about this field. I'm a little bit jealous of him, actually. I'm I'm kind of admire him a little bit, like, as as a uh as a as a druid. Like, I think that that's sort of the purest form of, of what I do. Like, the ranger parts, the combat parts, they're there, like, because they're practical, but, you know, that connection with nature is something that I wouldn't say I envy, necessarily, because I'm not really jealous of him, per se, but I think it's something I could see myself doing with enough time. I think you are already along that path. And he looks back down at Shadow, and then he looks at you, and he says, Seekin is many things. He is a beloved of my ancestors. He is powerful in his own way, but he is a simple boy. He can teach you the basics if you are interested, but if there is more that you need, you might need to seek someone else. Yeah, it's, it's looking that way. I know what I said, and I let go of any guilt or responsibility I do. But at the same time, if there is an evil that needs to be challenged as a threat to the natural world, I will... Do what I can to rise up and meet that threat. I, I can do no less. It's, it's in my bones. It's in my blood. It goes further than family. So that brings me to my question for you, Travancore. Why are you here? I want purpose. That's what everyone, that's all anyone can ask for. That's all anybody can, can seek. Like, I could have asked for contracts or small things, but I got to thinking more deeply, like, What's at the root of that? What's the end of that? Like, I want the contract. Why? To do this, to do that. And I have to accept that there are things that are in my control or beyond my control. I almost died yesterday, and my friends almost died. 
I mean, I didn't almost die, but it was it was about as dire a situation as we've been in, and it's only going to get rougher. And I have to accept the fact that the law of averages suggests that that my flame might get stuffed out before I get to achieve whatever grand mission or purpose I designed for myself. So I thought to myself, I can't stress too much about that. I can prepare. I can make myself the best I can be. And then I'm not a big believer in fate necessarily. There's obvious empirical evidence that gods and beings of power exist and they shape and form our world. But I don't know that I'm beholden to any of those gods. But if I can figure out where I fit, then I think everything else will fall into place and I don't have to worry as much. So you are here to find a place to fit? Ultimately, yeah. I think seeking was a happy accident, but that's at the root of everything. Where would you like to fit? I like Farron. I like the wild. I like my companions a lot. I know that this the nature of what we do means we might not be together forever. Like for that's just all I can do is enjoy the time we have. I like Olivia, but I don't know if I like her the way that I thought I did. I, I appreciate her companionship and her friendship. And I think maybe I was trying to push it into something more when that might not have been the right thing. Hmm. Interesting. Noble. Is there anything that you desire while you are here? Hmm. You know, I think everything I need, I have. I have good friends. I have shadow. As far as purpose goes, that'll reveal itself in time. Like, I don't need to sit the... I don't need to hasten that. That... I just need to be patient, and I think it'll come come to me. I guess the more specific question is, is there something specific that you could do for me? Like, they might, that might help, because what you want is a very broad mandate, and it's like looking at a blank piece of parchment. Your mind goes blank. You don't know what to think. Or they're li- so what is it that you're offering exactly, if anything? To be honest, I am not offering anything. You're just asking questions. I'm seeking to see what you're wishing for. I'm interested in what my grandson, quite removed, has offered. Are you here as a companion, as a hired hand, as a mercenary? Are you here to repay a debt? Are you here for your friends? You have a broad, glorious purpose that you seek, but you haven't answered why you're here. We owe seeking a favor. He's been good to us, and we 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 help people when they need help. That's kind of what I've been doing the last two or three years. I guess it's easier to avoid questions of what you need to do if you're you're lost and what other people need. But maybe that's not lost. Maybe that's where I'm supposed to be. Maybe that's how I keep get from getting lost in my own head, just figuring out who needs help and what I can do for them. And if I could, if I can make their lives better, then by extension, my life is better. Then maybe that is my purpose. Sounds like you are not lost at all. You're a very smart god, Ekthiarn. I have my moments, but I can also be an ass. (laughs) I see what you did there. Most (laughs) jocular. Ekthiarn looks down at Shadow and nods to him and says, You've chosen well. And then looks back at you and says, Thank you. I will let you return to your rest. And then turns and starts to walk back into the grass. Kind of just wave back at the yarn. <laughs> Very sheeplessly with no words. 
It's like, I could have asked him for anything. I said, no, God, I'm good. Travancore is not really kicking himself necessarily, but he's like, he does this a lot. He probably could have gotten more questions out of the de- the demon he, the fiend he talked to, but he didn't. And he, d- he doesn't know why he's like this, but no matter. It's like he said, he's patient now. He can, all will be revealed in time. Or I'll die. There you go. Either way. You do feel tired all of a sudden, even though, once again, this is a dream, and you know that you're actually sleeping, however you know this, but you suddenly feel like, ah, yeah, curling back up and going back to, quote-unquote, sleep would probably be a good idea. Yeah. I go to sleep at first thinking maybe I missed an opportunity, but realizing, you know, you've kind of solved an issue that's at the core of your identity, and you kind of figured out what your modus operandi is, So that's and that's not a bad takeaway. Maybe that's what you needed to hear. All right. Nice to have be nice to have a new title, though. <laughs> As you curl up back in your grasses next to Coco Snoot, who has stayed asleep this whole time, and you watch Shadow trundle back over to the sleeping form of Bernie, and everything once again gets peaceful and quiet, and you go back into a dreamless sleep. And thank you. We'll end there. Wow. As the Heralds of Greenest return to their dreamless sleep, we'll pause there. And next time on Dungeon Drunks, we'll return with the whole crew, all in one place, waking up the next morning to see what's happened next. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash dungeondrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our artifact and wondrous tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Lori, a.k.a. Calamity Jane, That Indian Dude, Michael Lapointe, a.k.a. Vazarus, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.